we've heard all about the politicians and their reactions to this health care proposal from the federal government to the provinces. But what about people who are actually in health care? I mean, how do doctors, for instance, feel about all this back and forth and what is being offered up? Well, joining us now to talk more about that is Dr. Rita McCracken, who's an assistant professor at the University of British Columbia's Faculty of Medicine. Dr. McCracken, thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. Now, I guess if we look on the plus side here, Dr. McCracken, it, we certainly are spending a lot of time talking about healthcare funding, aren't we? We certainly are, yes. What did you think of this proposal? Well, um, you know, this proposal had a lot of numbers and a lot of information in it. And um, what taking a, a closer look at the materials that were released yesterday, um, what I noticed was that it's not actually a significant increase um, to the amount of money that is uh, typically being transferred. It was uh, more of a uh, description of what the expectation is about that transfer of money, as well as the identification of some new areas of focus and some additional funding for those new areas of focus as well. Okay, so what did you think about the new areas of focus? Because I know that the federal government has said they want to see action on some uh, specific items from the provinces, including access to family doctors, hiring more healthcare workers, modernizing the system. What did you think of that? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I thought that that was uh, appropriate. You know, we, we can't go a day really without hearing uh, a tragic story of uh, someone missing out on a uh, health issue because they didn't have timely access, either because they don't have a family doctor or uh, they had to wait too long in emergency. So, you know, absolutely um, an increased focus on reorganizing how people have access to primary care or family doctors or nurse practitioners in the community. Um, We also have been hearing, and I certainly am feeling, um, healthcare workers are exhausted, and this has been a long three years, and um, there's been lots of identification of areas where we need more people and we need better supports for the people that are working in the system. And um, there hasn't really been much of a modernization of our system since it got started in um, between 1960 and 1980. I was wondering about that too. How long has this kind of tug of war been going on between the two sides over healthcare funding? Like, is this new or has this always been the case? Um, you know, I'm not a, um, a historical expert on um, healthcare, but at least for the last 20 years, um, this kind of um, uh, pointed conversation between uh, the federal government and the provincial government uh, has been going on. We, we do have essentially uh, 13 separate healthcare systems within Canada, um, all of which rely heavily on um, investment from the federal government. And there has been, uh, you know, so we've got essentially Uh, 13 provincial governments and one federal government, each having their own elections uh, every three to five years. And so you can imagine that um, even in a perfectly worded uh, financial transfer situation, there was bound to be trouble. Um, And I think I think we're just continuing to see that the, the, the tensions that have uh, exist just in how we have structured how we finance uh, healthcare in Canada. 
Dr. McCracken, what has the modernizing the system part I thought was really interesting because I think there's a, a lot of concerns about that. What stops us from modernizing the system to having more electronic records for, for getting all of that up to date? Well, I think there's two things. So one, the majority of uh, health care right now is delivered by family doctors, um, even though we have a tremendous shortage of family doctors. You know, the vast uh, majority of the number of healthcare encounters in the country happen in family doctors' offices. And those offices are run by the family doctors themselves, by and large, not uh, n- entirely, but about 70 to 80 percent of them are. And so each family doctor needs to set up their own IT system um, or use paper charts, which is uh, increasingly less frequent. Um, so we have all we have a very distributed um, system of delivering the health care and then gathering information back from that system uh has never really been coordinated, and there are some very appropriate concerns about uh, privacy of the data and how is it going to be managed. I think the other thing that we see that is very interesting and important in 2023 is uh, recognition that patients own their own healthcare data, just like you own your own banking data, that if you were to go on a trip to Toronto, you'd take your banking data with you via your credit cards and your right. um Interact card, uh, but that is not the case with our healthcare data. And so I think you know, once most people have a have a thought about it, they're like, yeah, I, I would like to have better access to my own healthcare data, and I would like it to be more transferable. But we just don't have those systems set up to make that happen yet. And that is one of the things that this money can help fund. Right? Do you see us moving towards that? Yes, absolutely. I I, I don't see how we can't move towards that. And what kind of um, efficiencies do you think that would offer to the system? Um, well, I think for patients, um, there would be a reduced chance of uh, errors or um, repetition of testing that they would have um, if they had that access to that data themselves and were able to share it readily um, when encountering a new healthcare provider. And then, you know, as a researcher, I'm also very interested in what that data could tell us uh, about, for example, which depression treatments are associated with the most predictable improvement in system symptoms. Sorry. Uh, so, if we were able to take a look at, um, in a safe, uh, anonymized way, about the data that of how we're treating people, what's working best? You know, we saw this during the pandemic where we would see um, what worked well to reduce the uh, transfer of uh, COVID in certain communities, and then we could scale that up and share it. And those kinds of learnings from the healthcare system are really rare and far between right now. And having a better data management system could really help improve health outcomes for individuals as well as the population. Like, are you hopeful then when you see meetings like what happened yesterday, although I know it didn't go as smoothly as people were hoping it would, but they're still talking, right? Exactly. Yes. And I I think that, that that's what we need. We need that communication and we need a commitment to working together um, and, let's, uh, and, and, and shared visions and shared goals that can be agreed upon. And I think that is a step in the right direction. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time this morning. 
Thank you. That's Dr. Rita McCracken, who's an assistant professor and researcher at the University of uh, British Columbia's Faculty of Medicine. It is good that they're talking about healthcare, good that they're talking about more money for healthcare, but how can we make some of these innovations happen that Dr. McCracken just outlined there that I think would be helpful to the system and create some efficiencies there for you, right? And make it easier for you to get proper care. And if you want to weigh in, simi at cknw.com.